1: Hello, this is uh, Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse exploring the world of nursing and I am Leanne Meyer, your host. Um, I, I've got a question for everybody to think about to kind of get into, get us into this session. Um, how did you learn to do the skills of nursing when you started out? Bear in mind that... Um, I'd like to share some of what happened for me, but bear in mind, this all happened about 40 years ago when I truly uh, tried to pin it down in my mind. I tried to think in terms of, how did we do this? But I think that the students did an awful lot of things on each other, and and I do mean awful. Um, If you happen to be paired with a not-so-great student, you learned by suffering and uh, definitely learned what not to do. Um, I do remember some all-purpose mannequins which are were nowhere near to the level of even some of the um, uh, just plain mannequins that we have today. There's just so much more to them now than what we had. Um, so think about uh, how you started to learn. If you have been uh, learning to, uh, became a nurse in the last 20 plus years, I would say you very possibly learned on a simulator, especially um, Uh, like the robots that are simulated to produce various different kinds of disease processes, symptoms, etc. It's pretty great, but it's still inanimate and extremely costly to purchase and maintain. So having been an instructor for an RN refresher course for four years, I've learned what it's like to be creative and uh, thrifty to provide a valuable skills learning experience. Now, I have come upon uh, a whole new world of training technology that is inexpensive, inexpensive and accessible. So, our topic today is wearable training technology, and I am very happy to introduce to you Elizabeth Benson. She is a fascinating engineer. Yes, I did say engineer, nurse. Educator, inventor, and now a CEO of her own company. I think she is really onto something here, and I'd like you to be able to talk, to hear her and talk with her yourself. So, Elizabeth, tell us about how you came to this point.
2: Hi, Leanne, and uh, thanks for inviting me to the show, and uh, happy Nurse Week. Yes. Uh, as I um, as I explained to my students on numerous occasions, my journey into nursing began a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, <laughs> far away. Uh, and actually, it was in New Jersey, and it was quite a while ago, about 40 years. And I started as a first aider because uh, paramedics weren't licensed yet uh, as a EMS in high school. And I I seriously thought about going into nursing when I was in high school. I I wanted to help people. I wanted to work in the medical field. But I was strongly encouraged to not do that. Um, Back in the day, any girls at all that were good at math and science needed to prove that if men can do it, so could women. And I thought, well, all right, what do you want me to do, you know? (laughs) Um, And there was biomedical engineering and it it had a lot of cool things in it and, you know, working with developing prosthetics or what have you. So I I went into engineering and then quickly realized that just because you're able to do something doesn't mean you should be doing (laughs) that thing. Uh, And I graduated uh, early uh, with honors, finished it up, you know, proudly and immediately followed up with a degree in nursing. Step step and back for I, a minute and I, tell I, me
1: more, Elizabeth, step back and tell me more about why you discovered that even though you could do it, and you did it very, very well, clearly, that uh, it was not a good direction for you. What about engineering and especially the schooling for engineering gave you that impression?
2: Um, well, differential equations, calculus, calculus. Um, I, I I think my brain was going to come out my ears because it was so <laughs> difficult and so difficult for me to conceive. But then the things that were really exciting, like working with electron microscopy or, oh. you know, drafting and designing things, they were really terrific, but it, there were a lot of isolated things. So, for instance, when we uh-huh. were working with electron microscopy back in the day, you know, you were basically in the lab and maybe working with one or two people and focused on doing that. And then with you were working with cellular biology projects, which is where I ended up leaning more toward when I finished my degree, you'd be in the lab and you'd have to validate that the PhD's, uh, Thesis was correct or theory was correct, and Um, you'd repeat the uh same experiment over and over and over and over, doing the same thing. And again, pretty isolated work. And I'm a I'm a people person, (laughs) and I wasn't. I didn't feel like I was directly impacting the greater good, and that I was missing that, and I was missing the rush I got from. Being able to look in somebody's eyes or hold somebody's hand and say, Mm -hmm. we're going to do what we need to to get you the care you need, that I had in the EMS training I'd had earlier on.
1: Right. And then the gratitude when you actually did it. Yeah. When you actually were able to help. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So, great. So, then you went into nursing. Uh, was that in the same school, or you had to change schools, or
2: how did that work? Oh, no. Work? Yeah, I, I, it was definitely a different school. Um, I was at Worcester Polytechnic Institute up in Worcester, Mass., for my engineering degree. And I went down to Philadelphia, uh, Drexel University, Hahnemann's Nursing School, for my nursing degree. And I have to say that I, I believe very strongly that my engineering background and the way I learned to think in an, as an engineer helped me be as good a nurse as I possibly could be from most of my nursing career was in emergency nursing, critical care nursing, um, you know, thinking fast, problem solving, you know, Mm -hmm. observing if this, then that kind of stuff. And I think it it really did help uh, in my nursing career like that, but without a nursing uh, background, uh, engineering is still a, a fulfilling career field. It just wasn't for mm-hmm. me. So, right. without an engineering background, nurses can be equally creative and equally great at problem solving and competence. Mm-hmm. So, um, I just want to, you know, make sure, sure everyone understands that nurses are super creative when they problem solve. I remember in my early years of nursing, necessity was the mother of all invention, and you had to create solutions to things you were coming up on at work, a lot of tools we have now weren't available. So a lot of assistance mm-hmm. devices we have now were not available. You and I taped endotracheal tubes to somebody's face. And that didn't uh, stay well because it, you know, it got wet. So <laughs> there were mm-hmm. all kinds of re- things you had to come up with. And, and sometimes we repurpose things. Back in the day, finding a piece of stockinette to cover a baby's IV was brilliant, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, look, we could protect (laughs) this. And and we were repurposing things even back then, where Mm -hmm. today when people think repurposing, I know for my adult daughters, the first thing they'll think of is HGTV's Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna Gaines and DIY Pinterest projects where you repurpose things. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we can actually repurpose things in nursing Because we've created a solution to provide better care. And if Mm -hmm. we've had the problem where we're looking for a solution, there's a real strong chance that someone else is probably experiencing exactly the same need and needs exactly that solution.
1: Mm -hmm. I've often said on this show, I've had a few other entrepreneurs on And, um, you know, I've often said nurses are geniuses at coming up with great ideas. We don't tend to think in terms of selling ourselves or, you know, providing to other people uh, the idea we came up with. And some of it is we're very, very busy and trying to figure out how to put that into our lives is difficult. So um, that's what I want to hear more from you. So you had a successful um, initial career with with nursing and uh, in very high-risk, high-difficulty areas. So what about uh, your your, uh, work moved you into training?
2: I um, Well, as a lot of experienced nurses will tell you, um, when you are precepting the new folks coming in, you realize that uh, this was before new grad programs, you wanted them to learn the right way to do things no matter where they (laughs) went to school and the way that you knew worked. And so we actually as nurses are educators from the day we begin nursing. We're educating Mm -hmm. patients and families and then you go to the next step and you're educating the next group of nurses coming in. Or perhaps you're um, very good at one particular area, then you would educate the rest of your team on that particular skill if you came like into the ER from ICU and they were going over certain drips or something, you know, you might be the expert in that. And so my transition into um, education uh, was a natural progression for me. But interestingly enough, it was also a tangent because uh, when my husband retired out of the military and we relocated to the DC area, um, I ended up teaching math for a while uh, at the Catholic school where our children were because the math teacher quit. And oh, wow. then where, and I, I was teaching math because I had an engineering degree and I had all the math classes and they didn't have anyone to quickly step in uh-huh. in an emergency. And I, I loved it. I was having a great time teaching. <laughs> and so I ended up getting my master's in uh, education program design and wow. leadership. So uh, that helped me to go more toward the education side of nursing as well. Once I went back and started doing ER again, um, I realized that my education background was coming through strong and hard and applied for Mm -hmm. a nurse educator position at a hospital and and began that way. Then uh, after being a nurse educator at a number of places, uh, I was hired on as a nurse student retention coordinator. And Mm -hmm. what that means uh, is it was by a grant and it was in the state of Maryland and nursing students, once they get in the program, it's so hard to get there. You want to get them all the way through. And Mm -hmm. so you may have students coming in with a 4.0 GPA or with other prior degrees coming in who are very book smart, very test smart, and are not familiar with the application of those things. And so to figure out how to bridge from I know this material to critically thinking was a a challenge that needed to be addressed. And I had the very fortunate experience of doing that for about five years and uh, saw a lot of opportunities to help people be the nurse. And that's what I used to tease them. i say, okay, every Mm -hmm. time you're going into a clinical situation, a skills practice in your head before you go in, Who's the nurse? I'm the nurse. Who's the nurse? I'm the nurse. you got to be the nurse going in, not the student being tested, because it is exactly. a different approach and a different mindset. And that significantly contributed to my um, part of the contribution to the design of the product that we came up with.
1: Mm-hmm. So before you go there, this uh, so far, what you're telling me is you did what you loved all along the way. So you knew you were good in math and science, you went into the engineering, not knowing what exactly you'd do with that, uh, which eventually led to going into nursing, which end, uh, ended up giving you some tremendous practice in ICU and ER, and uh, eventually leading to training to end to a master's in education. So it's that same kind of thing, listen to how you're feeling. I keep hearing so many nurses who say they're so feeling so trapped in the job that they're in and immediately want more money. But when the reality, even when they get more money, it's like that wasn't it. And so what they don't get is they're not truly using all of who they are. And so they're just feeling so frustrated. So, so yeah, so now you've, you've got all of this stuff as the foundation for the next step. What made you decide uh, or what made you think about uh, what you could do for helping the training go better.
0: Well, it was
2: actually um, uh, an aha moment in an in IPE at the end of a semester. My co-founder, Linda Goodman, uh, also an RN, her master's in nursing is leaning toward uh, nursing education with clinical simulation and her postgraduate work. And mm-hmm. she was running a simulation, IPE, and a few of us were volunteers and uh, a professor of communication was volunteering as a patient, which is, um, let me just back up and say, so standardized patients or actors used in simulation. Uh, is one of the things that is working in parallel or as an adjacency to the mannequins, whether they're low-fidelity, high-fidelity, skills trainers. And standardized patients or standardized participants, volunteers, uh, trained actors, um, have actually been around for a long time. Since 1963, um, a neurologist at the University of Southern California actually was observing medical students working up patients from beginning to end over and over. And he realized that some of these practices sh- should be practiced before and simulated. <laughs> be and so exactly. he created his first simulated patient. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to the story, the professor of communication was a simulated patient, and his students needed to start an IV on him clearly wasn't going to actually put a needle in his arm. So the student brought over the skills trainer simulated arm, did the checklist of what had to happen perfectly, inserted the needle and the communication professor was watching what was happening. And as soon as the needle went in the fake arm, he yelled, ow. (laughs) And we were all, it was a little more than just ow, it literally stops the room. And we all looked over and were what happened? And the student quickly defended himself. I didn't touch you. What what's the matter? <laughs> I, I didn't touch you. I started the IV on the arm. And the communications professor leaned over and, and said, Didn't you just start that I V on me? You were focused on the task. You didn't tell me what right. was happening. And right. and then right at that moment the educators in the room all realize that wasn't a student fail, that was an educator fail. We failed yeah. to provide enough opportunities for students to work with real people to remember to go past the skills when right. applying them. This
1: is a great place for us to be able to stop and we could pick it up on the other side of the break. Um, sure. I love I love that kind of um, explanation because it makes it, I mean, you can just follow along with you. It's like we were all in the room with you and with that communication professor. So, yeah, that would really make it very, very clear. So we're going to go to break here. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing, if you're just um, checking in with us. I am Leanne Meyer. I'm here Today with Elizabeth Benson, and we are talking about wearable training technology. We'll be back in just a couple minutes.
3: America Health and Wellness.
4: you. take us on the go it's even easier
0: we are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to LeanneVoiceAmerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse.
1: This is Leanne Meyer, and we are back from our break on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. We're talking today about wearable training technology, and this is something that had never occurred to me when I saw it. I thought, wow, this is great. I'm talking with Elizabeth Benson, who has gone through a fascinating career, including being an engineer, a nurse, an educator, an inventor, and now a CEO. We were just discussing uh, when... Uh, She had an educator, excuse me, Uh, why don't you tell it because I'm going to lose my voice here.
2: (laughs) Elizabeth, uh, tell the the breathing. Thank you. It was an aha moment when uh, we realized that we needed to provide a different kind of training experience to better prepare our students. Before they went out uh, with their licenses to begin work, and uh, so what we we needed to find something that would give them more opportunities to work with people in in current uh, programs in the United States, the, up to fifty percent of clinical training can be high quality simulation, and it really does provide some absolutely awesome learning experiences. It's terrific. Uh, The challenge with getting clinical practice sites, unlike back when Leanne and I were nurses in training, uh, in some states, there's uh, such a shortage of clinical sites that there's lotteries to get your students in. Qualified students are being turned away from nursing schools because there's not enough places for them to train or not enough instructors. And so, you know, between the higher acuity of patients in the hospital being discharged to rehab places faster, the staffing ratios that are not conducive to having the training in there, we need even more opportunities for even better simulated training opportunities and experiences for our students.
1: So you realize the, the need for the problem. And again, I love this aspect that nurses are such problem solvers. We see when it's, it's just like a light goes on or somebody hits us over the head when we realize something is not working right. And immediately it's that idea of what else could I do? What could be different? And so what was the process of that for you?
2: Uh, that was exactly right. It was definitely an aha moment for uh, co-founder Linda Goodman and myself. She uh, evaluated all of the types of equipment that were available through clinical simulation uh, purchasing and equipment sites. We scoured the Internet internationally and locally. We checked with different distributors and normal vendors of products. Uh, I spoke with different folks uh, that work with the textbooks publishers and provide additional training to see if they have anything coming from both of our areas of expertise. And we found nothing. (laughs) Hmm. So so this led us to believe it didn't exist. And so Mm -hmm. here's uh, where the problem solving came in. That that didn't stop us. Okay. We need this. It's not out there. What are we going to do about it? Well, let's make Mm -hmm. it. So we decided we were going to try and figure out how we could make it. Um I, a little uh, back to that is uh, our son had recently separated from the Marines, and he and his uh, fellow Marines often had artwork that told the story of their experiences. And when they were applying for jobs, some of them felt like the sleeves that of tattoos were a hindrance mm-hmm. to them being taken seriously with their experience. So they were wearing uh, flesh-colored tattoo sleeves under their dress shirts. To interview, and I hmm. thought, huh, ah, that's a good way to start. So <laughs> Linda and I got on Amazon and we ordered tattoo sleeves and IV tubing <laughs> and bags. And uh, I have a crafty daughter-in-law, and she came with her hot glue gun and sewing machine, and we started <laughs> we started playing to say if we could if we could make this, what would we want it to look like? And at first, the nurses were were the lead, which is the nurse part of my brain and Linda. And we made it anatomically correct in our first mm-hmm. model and, and everything was just so and just perfect. And, and it looked just the way it needed to. And then we had to figure out, you know, what to do with that. And we thought mm-hmm. <laughs> in all of our naivete, Oh, we have this great idea. Somebody will make it so we can buy it. Oh, and so we okay. contacted the big name folks like Lairdall and CAE, a couple others. And they're like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. a nice idea. No, we're not interested. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay then, you know, we still need this. Uh, So about then we we got a hold of a patent attorney to protect the idea just in case we were the ones who were going to have to make do with something like this. And then the patent attorney said, if you're going to take this seriously, there's a kind of shark tank competition thing going on in Jacksonville, Florida. I'd like you to bring your design to and pitch it to see if it looks like this is actually a business model where you could make this for yourselves and for everybody else that needs it. And we're like, well, okay. So we applied. And, um, when we made the top 60, we were both doing the happy dance because we were validated, you know, <laughs> we're mm-hmm. nurses and
1: we've got this prize right.
2: for a competition. Yay. And then it got down to the top 15 and, and then I got a little nervous. I was like, okay. <laughs> This is no. real. I'm, I'm a nurse and I'm a teacher and, 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 an engineer, but I'm not a, I don't know how to do a pitch to a bunch of judges for a product. What is this? Mm-hmm. So I took a class because, you know, oh, we're wow. lifelong learners and I took a class in, in business and entrepreneurship and, uh, filled out the forms because I didn't, I didn't even know some of the language on the forms. They wanted mm-hmm. a pitch deck. I had no idea what that was. <laughs> a burn rate and then, you know, first, second, third degree burns clearly not what they're looking for. What is it? Right. It's just nothing I had ever had. And so we applied and we made it to the top 10 and they invited us down to compete. So we went down to compete. And, you know, when nurses go to a conference and they're going to present Mm -hmm. a new piece of information or something that isn't really research, but it's it's new information that they've been working on. It's a poster presentation. So we had a Uh. professional poster done up and brought it down there. And during the competition, we see the other people and we've got people that are doing 3D printing and stem cell research and all these apps. And here we are with our poster on the table (laughs) thinking, oh, we are so fish out of water on this one. (laughs) But, you know, gave it our best shot and um, explained and let them, you know, feel the problem, so to speak. And uh, we were awarded second place, and then because it was so close, we were awarded first place also. And wow. that was without an actual product. It was just with the passion and concept of how this could help. Huh. And because of that, we we were awarded a Microsoft grant for products. Wow. And so we took our basic design and were able to add an app to it. And I can get into that a little later later. But okay. also during the pitch competition is when a few other engineers from local places came over and said, does it really have to look just like this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the first response is, well, yeah. And I was like, "Well, oh, no, <laughs> not really. <laughs> no, you're mm-hmm. right. It doesn't have to look exactly like that. And so we were able to really tighten up the design and get it to high function before we field tested it. And it was, uh, it was really quite an experience.
1: So how long from realizing you had a problem to realizing you had a shot at creating a product? How long of a time was that?
2: We realized we had a problem in the summer of 2015. And that's when we started trying to solve it after May of 2015 in April of 2016, we won this competition really and began seriously, uh, developing a product and a team. So that's phenomenal.
1: Year. That, that says a lot about the two of you and the backgrounds that you had that you brought to it. I've talked to other entrepreneurs and it's years, you know, it's like trying to find the right materials and they're not quite right or, you know, trying to find the right idea and it doesn't quite work. And, um, Yeah, just kind of struggling along for years. So that's really interesting to see that you were able to move that along so quickly.
2: We actually are not, um, we realized along the way, we're not following the basic pattern or path that many entrepreneurs report. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as I've told my advisors, I appreciate very much that I don't know the pitfalls. I don't (laughs) know when I'm supposed to fail because Mm -hmm. I don't. And I'm like, don't tell me this is like the valley of death for new businesses. And 50% yeah, right. of the people stop here. I don't want to know that. And and yeah. Yeah, so we've breezed through with a lot of hard work. And, you know, we, we really did develop a fantastic team. My engineer is uh, Dr. Don Platt. He's out of Melbourne, Florida. And he is a professor at FIT. He has his own aerospace industry uh, business. He's got products on the space station. And he works with wow. NASA. And, I mean, we've got... Top line people, and we've got a great app team that we're working with, and uh, of course, the whole rest of the team because there's a dozen people. Plus, we've had interns because hey, we're educators, so yeah. we've had interns every semester helping us with design or testing right. or you know, any uh-huh. piece of that.
1: Uh huh. And so, when did this go live? Maybe I'm jumping further than you want to go, but um, <clears throat> so from that point of view, won the contest to having something yep. that could actually be um, uh, produced and sold. What was the time period for that?
2: It was, again, less than a year. That was April of 2016, and we started sales March of 2017. But um, it was a very interesting moving at Mach 2 number of months between there. And (laughs) we, we tested a lot of product designs, a lot of sensor designs, a lot of app work. And uh, once we finished the lab testing to know that it was safe and, and very realistic, because, you know, just making another skill test product it was not going to cut it. This The this mm-hmm. skin on, on many products is tough. It doesn't, I mean, it feels like a very, very dehydrated person. You know, it just mm. doesn't feel smooth going through. And ours, we tested until we got that natural pop through the skin like you feel what it feels like Mm -hmm. and then the same thing with the vessels we needed to find a right vessel that had a good diameter and a good feel when you go into it that you know you went into the vessel Mm
0: -hmm. and and that
2: wouldn't leak you know yes (laughs) so um that was all important and once we did our lab test then we wanted to field test and so we sent it out to field test sites uh up and down the east coast and Uh, We sent it to EMS programs and nursing programs, uh, two-year schools, four-year schools, and got uh, their feedback on how the app was working, how the skin worked, how the feel of the vessels was, so we could refine it. And we got some really good feedback. So, And uh, one of the big things we did is we changed it from like a big sleeve that you slide your arm into like the original tattoo sleeve idea to velcro Mm -hmm. strap on and the reason for that is a number of folks said you know for infection control we can't clean in there and we'd like to be able to in case somebody's got you know whatever going on on their skin we we don't want that you know just in case Mm -hmm. we can't see in there we can't clean in there so we we changed that was a significant change in design to to do the velcro straps on instead but um Mm -hmm just a story that, that it makes me smile just thinking about it during field testing at, at one of the schools in Florida, we were invited in to observe. So we stood back away from everybody, um, didn't talk to them, didn't give feedback, nothing. We just, we literally just observed. And so we stood back as the students started practicing with this on each other. And the person wearing the sleeves when the person that was going to practice starting IV, which they had already done in class and lab, uh, was noticeably nervous because somebody was coming <laughs> at them with an IV. And so <laughs> it was an interesting learning experience for that person um, for empathy. And uh-huh. then the person coming toward them also was nervous. And so uh-huh. didn't, let's say, speak therapeutically, maybe said um a few times, maybe held his breast Maybe <laughs> uh-huh. you know, a few of those things, uh, maybe missed, you know, didn't get it. And uh, the student did not say out like the actor did, but uh, they, they still talk to each other about how to do it. And they kind of calmed each other mm-hmm. down. And mm-hmm. when the student got the stick and they got that flashback, it, it was a, literally it, like lights went on in the room. Like, oh, my gosh, I got <laughs> it. Oh, wow. That was great. Yeah. Oh, look. And I felt it. And, and just, I mean, for me, I could, I was glowing with pride. <laughs> that's exactly, <laughs> exactly why he made this. Uh, that right there. You see that? Did you see that? That right there. That's the thing. And so yep. it was awesome because once they had their practice time, they wanted to do it again and mm-hmm. they got in line and it became almost like they were getting on a ride where they were waiting in line to have another <laughs> turn to do it again as the right. patient or as the nurse. And it, it was just amazing the confidence level change yes. at the end of an hour it was just amazing the difference and we knew right then we're like yep this isn't we definitely need to do this this is yes we're going to continue and uh, so it passed through field testing very well we got great reviews like that and started production and rolled it out at an international simulation conference in march of 2017. So we've been selling for just over a year.
1: We're going to stop here for a minute again and go to a break in just a couple of seconds, but it just makes me laugh because uh, this so uh, demonstrates the idea that nursing is an art and a science. And so many times in nursing school, I felt like most of the effort was on the science of it. And the art is also so very important to not only convince yourself, but to convince the patient that you do know what you're doing and you feel confident that you can help them out. Um, And so I can definitely see where this would would be. So um, we're going to take a quick break here. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer, and I am thrilled to have Elizabeth uh, Benson with me today. And she's talking about a brand-new... Um, product that she and some of uh, several of her very favorite uh, friends uh, have gotten together and been able to create wearable training technology, and we're learning all about that. We'll be back in just a couple
3: minutes. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America, Health and Wellness. The Voice America Live Events channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Leanne Voice America at gmail.com. Now back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse.
1: Hi, this is Leanne Meyer, and I am hosting What's a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm here with Elizabeth um, Benson, and we're talking about wearable training technology. When I first saw those words, I had I was thinking of a dress or a coat or something like that. And so I was thinking as we go into this session, um, maybe, Elizabeth, could you give out the website so anybody who'd like to um, pull it up on their screen and see what it actually looks like?
2: Yes, thank do you, that. Um, Our products are called Real Life Sim, and that's at r e a L-I-F-E-S-I-M dot net. Great. sim dot net.
1: Unless you uh, have a very visual thing, which I do, is the explanations of what it looks like are the, is hard to, re, to really get. So I'll try a little bit. Um, I just got uh, my sample of it a few days ago, and I'm eagerly waiting to try it out with my nursing uh, students this coming Saturday. And um, so it's like, uh, sort of like uh, a board for, uh, you know, when you're trying to stabilize an IV, uh, a board that has Velcro attached to it. And then on top of that is um, the artificial skin. And it's open on either end of that board where you can slide in the blood vessels, quote unquote, uh, and then be able to actually hold, you know, feel your fingers on that vessel and feel it moving a little bit and being able to put a little bit of traction and put the, um, the needle into it. So I'm very eager to see how that works. And then as you were saying, uh, Elizabeth, is how important the dialogue that goes with what you're doing, how important that can be. Uh, so, yeah, so tell us more about... Um, that next step that you were into in, in trying to, you've, you've got a product, it's been tested out, you've had the eureka, eureka moments, and, uh, and then go forward from there.
2: Okay, well, again, our uh, nursing and educator focus uh, led us to uh, products like this that are very lightweight and, and portable, and we were thinking just from the physical aspect of the standard part, when a simulated person or actor, uh, student, uh, standardized patient would wear it, they could move around freely. Um, if you're a new nurse training and you need to get your person with an IV up to ambulate or to go somewhere what do you do with the bag? You know, how do you work with that? How do you roll them or move them? And it's, it's good for that. For our um, emergency scenarios, if you're doing a drill and you have an emergency or disaster drill, you can put, have someone outside wearing it. I mean, it, it can just be used anywhere for anything. And actually this product, because of the realism was used in the EMS World Clinical Challenge in October. It's an international clinical competition for EMS and also at the EMS Today Hands-On Clinical Challenge uh, this past spring. So it it really validates the realism and and nature of this product. And one of the differences, you mentioned the vessels. I just want to point out, everybody that's used simulated IV start knows that there's a channel where that vessel sits. You can Mm -hmm. see the track. Of where everybody's practiced. And we didn't want that. We we wanted it to be more realistic. So you can place the vessel anywhere at all under the skin. You can put it in an S. You can put two vessels. You could put three vessels. You can put different size vessels. And the student has to actually palpate the vessel. And then if you don't hold a little distal traction, as you were saying, it will roll. And that's something you just don't find. But we wanted it to be as realistic as possible for that really high-quality simulation experience. And then, so to the communication side of things, this is where the the Microsoft app came in. We we wanted not just students to be able to use it and wear it and be able to self-assess, you know, they can see how they're doing, or peer assess, where the person they're working on says, hey, you know, you sounded much better this time, or you forgot to tell me what you were doing. You know, what we did is with the app is it will actually record
3: Mm -hmm. 10 minutes
2: of the students interactions at that time, and then Mm -hmm. they can label it, and they can play it back as often as they want. We're in a normal debriefing situation after a scenario or simulation, and they come out and the group is debriefed, Um, they see the video, and they hear everything, and they have a facilitator, and that that works great, but the student can't go back and see that over and over again Mm
3: -hmm. and see
2: their progress, where with the app, their verbal interactions are recorded, In addition to that, because of the embedded sensors, when they start the IV, if they go too deep, now, anybody that started an IV, you've seen people that kind of do that fishing or crocheting, kind of trying to hook (laughs) that vessel as they go in, you know. Um, And if you go too deep with the needle, you can hurt someone. You can hit a nerve or the bone or whatever, and that's really when the damage can occur. So we designed our sensors to track every time that IV needle goes too deep. And it time-date stamps every single time where you as the instructor and you as the student cannot see you're doing that. Mm -hmm. So that feedback is available to them as well. In addition to the student being able to go in and see how they're doing and, and see their progress if they're in open lab or regular lab, the facilitator that they identify as their instructor can also go in and see this. So if you're the instructor, Leanne, and you're at a conference in Boston and your students on Saturday are doing this practice with someone else, you can log in Saturday night up in Boston and you can hear exactly what your students said and you can see exactly how many times they went too deep and be able to provide feedback like, hey, I really see improvement. This is terrific. Or... Why don't you wait till we get back in lab together and let me help practice this with you, you know? So, so either way, there's feedback right away from the instructor. Right.
1: So this clearly could also be used in the new <clears throat> techno medicine kind of things that are coming out um, where a lot of this thing Things will be done by through technology. Uh, there'll be fewer people who are able to observe, so they may be in one place observing many people in several other places. So, say a little bit more about how this might play out in um, in that type of medicine.
2: Well, what we saw was a natural progression into telemedicine, and telemedicine is just an awesome awesome option to have to provide higher level care at a distance. It allows higher acuity patients to stay where they are and closer to their support systems where the local healthcare professionals will be expected to provide care under the guidance of that telemedicine team. So if it's a rural facility or if it's a long-term care facility, somewhere where perhaps people aren't as trained or competent because they have it needed to be, uh, to start IVs, one of our products like this with the app could be at those facilities. And then someone back where the telemedicine is being provided could actually help teach them how to do that. So they're more proficient with those skills to help increase the uh, competency for that higher level of care where it wasn't needed before. So mm-hmm. it provides a safe and an affordable opportunities, again, that can be used anywhere to do that.
1: Yeah, that's just really so amazing to me that um, that that could be utilized, and we're going to have to be more creative in all of those types of areas as we go forward. And we have less and less of those nurses that are so. Um, capable and um, uh, the what what? we used to call them seasoned nurses, the nurses that have been around for a while. We hated to call them the old ones, those old bags that have been around forever. So we start calling them seasoned nurses, which sounds so much better. And I could anticipate that um, even nurses who have been uh, out of uh, uh, at the bedside type of practice, could be those kinds of trainers that could uh, sit behind or or sit in the classroom or sit in the lab and be able to use their expertise to really show the students how it's done and make sure they feel confident of doing it.
2: Is that right, kind and, of what um, you're thinking? <clears throat> I'm sorry, and we're focusing mostly on the United States when we're talking about this because that's where our experience is. But I've Mm -hmm. recently uh, traveled to Costa Rica on a trade mission because they had an interest in this. And Costa Rica and other um, Central American uh, countries don't have the same simulation budget for the high-end equipment. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some of the universities and medical centers can do that, but many of the training centers cannot. And so we provide an, an alternative for them, for their rural clinics, for the Red Cross training, for emergency training, uh, because the products are basically the cost of a clinical textbook and mm-hmm. much less than the higher end, higher maintenance products. We do um, where the app, we've had it. So the screen localizations, you know, when you have an app in it, you look at it for us, we look at it and it's in English. Well, many apps mm -hmm. across the world still come up in English. And what we did to help facilitate for these students is we have our app screen and the instructor portal come up in English, French, German, or Spanish. So it's in their native uh, language, or at least one of the major native languages Mm -hmm. that um, are in areas that are interested to use these products. Sure.
1: Yeah, so fantastic. So what's the next step?
2: Well, what's the next step? We, um, we are interested to continue to work with higher technology, and uh, there's actually a lot of progress into holographic standardized patients. And while I think technology is amazing, and I think that's phenomenal, I still believe that certain skills should be practiced with actual hands-on practice. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. in a mixed reality situation, our sensors could be used with modular mannequins or with holograms to track the actual practice and have it integrated with the program of the hologram or the modular mannequin. And that's our next step. We're really looking forward yeah. to a couple of opportunities to working with that because, Seriously, we can't ever lose sight of the importance of combining skills practice right. with the opportunity to put your hands on it and experience the look or tone of voice or expression or touch. And and even if you're working with a hologram, you'll hear your voice. They'll hmm. hear what they sound like. And that feedback is extremely important for learning.
1: Yes, definitely. Especially if you haven't heard yourself, Um, there's a certain element of not recognizing initially. uh, we're, We're getting less and less time here. And so I'm wondering if you could just tell us if there was one message you really want everyone to get about this topic, what would it be?
2: Well, ultimately, we all go into healthcare care with a dedication and a commitment to help. And we take loans, we miss family events, all because we really want to do our best for others. And with such high stakes, we want to do what's best for the people who are giving that care. And, and we're passionately committed to improving outcomes for learners and for patients by improving the skills training available to students and existing care providers. That's yeah. the bottom line is with improved competence and confidence everybody wins
1: yes absolutely so yes i just want to you know follow on you you had mentioned at the beginning of the hour that this is uh, nurses week in the united states And I think, you know, nurse's month, nurse's year, (laughs) I think um, we should be thinking about nurses every single day. Uh, It is so phenomenal, the things that nurses do behind the scenes, many times, you know, unsung heroes. And so I really want to make sure that at least in this week, we are um, focusing and sending that message out to every single nurse out there or every single person who's thinking about becoming a nurse If you're the kind of person who just drawing a paycheck is really not what you're looking for, that you're looking for something that makes you feel like you have contributed to the world, that you have made a difference, if only in the lives of the patients you immediately interact with, that is what nursing is. And I hope that over this period of time since August that I've been doing this this show weekly, that people have begun to think about, there are hundreds of thousands of ways that nurses contribute. And <clears throat> the, uh, what we think of hands-on, by-the-bedside nursing is only the first step. And many, many people are finding ways to go from there and develop themselves into ways uh, like this in entrepreneurial ways, coming up with ideas that nobody else has thought of before and yet everybody else had been needing. So, again, i just uh, so grateful to be able to work with nurses, to talk with nurses. Doing my RN refresher course is uh, just such a pleasure to me and definitely an emotional paycheck to me to see those light bulbs go on in the students that I'm working with. Um, this whole show has been sort of like that for me. And so... I just want to thank you again and welcome you to come back next week on Monday and uh, share the show with us again. Uh, Thank you, Elizabeth, so much for being on, and thank you all for listening. Thank you, Leanne.